Blog Talk Radio. You are now listening to Uncut Sports Talk, featuring your host, Rhino, Brian Casher. I've known for a long time that you have no clue about baseball, and you literally go in up Moneyball style. You got four-eyed Bill in there, reading off algorithms, about players' talents, successes, whatever you guys punch into those things, you know, skills. But for Christ's sake, can you move away from the computer one time and let me enlighten you on something. We won 100 fucking games in the regular season last year. 100. We got our tits absolutely blown off in the postseason. And let me enlighten you on something else. Judge Blaine and your co-host, Paz. The NFL is a joke. Um... The players, I feel bad for the players, honestly. Like, there's a lot of guys that probably, uh, you know, there's a lot of guys on that New Orleans team that, you know, are, are the 53rd man on that roster. And that extra $75,000 that they would have gotten for going to the Super Bowl, um, you know, in terms of the playoff checks, is probably a huge deal to them. I feel really bad for those guys. Um, I don't really give a shit about the, the, the top guys as much, obviously. But, I mean, like, lives are changed. Careers are changed. Can you hear me now? What's up, buddy? Can hear you now. Dude, I'm definitely writing a letter. This is this is getting to be a little bit out of control now. All right. I apologize to our listeners. This is the, I don't even know, second episode in three three days that I've just completely been technical difficulties for us. So I apologize for the two-minute delay, three-minute delay. I don't know where it cut off or where Paz could hear me, but. Neither here nor there. Um, thanks for joining Uncut Sports Talk again. Uh, had another record-breaking following, following our Thursday show on Monday from listeners. We appreciate you all. Thank you very much. Um, I guess what we're doing is work. So uh, just thank you, man. I appreciate everyone tuning in and everyone listening. And every single episode now, let's go for another uh, three-show uh, streak in a row. To my co-host, Paz, what's going on tonight, buddy? Not much. I'm always happy when Thursday rolls around, our Thursday night show. Looking forward to the weekend and the uh, college basketball games and some other stuff going on. Yeah, man. End of the week. How's the uh, market this week? Good or bad? Uh, not great. Let's call it that. I saw my 401k was doing really well, but now I logged in um, the other day. I try not to log in much with it because, you know, Nothing you could do you about know, it anyway. Hold right, exactly. But I saw it was shot up to the highest that's ever been, and now it's back down about another thousand hundred. So, I mean, with that being said, there's also a lot of shares in there, so it's gonna, you know, bounce. But uh, that's how I always know how kind of your week's going. But uh, yes. all right. Anyway, so I wasn't sure if I was definitely gonna be able to get him on tonight. Uh, we're gonna have a, a little quick interview here. Uh, we've had him on a couple times. Chad Olson, Chad Olson, owner of Sedulous Performance. Uh, one of the athletes we've also had on at least once, um, Kelly Mendoza, is going uh, to compete in Vegas. So they're going to give us a little bit of a rundown, see where we're at with them and her, 
and what's going on for the weekend. So we're going to pop them on quick. We'll get into back into the regular show to follow. Chad and T, you guys with me? Hey, yeah, I'm uh, I'm with you right now. I, I'm not gonna lie, you're uh, you're cutting out a whole bunch. I heard you say uh, you're having some technical difficulties yeah, uh, with the uh, broadcast or whatever, but um, I'm having a little a, bit of a little bit of trouble hearing you. And I'm sorry, man. I don't know what what's going on with this. They owe us some money back. But all right, why don't you just give me a breakdown, kind of what's going on this weekend, um, what the competition is, and all that good stuff. Sure. Um, so, uh, Sedulous is, uh, in another, uh, national competition this weekend. Um, this is our, I think, third national, uh, Olympic lifter. Now, um, Thalia is competing in her second, um, university and under 25 national championships. Um, this is, a, some of the best lifters kind of in the, in the country that are either enrolled in a university or uh, under the age of 25, so uh, a very big meet for her um, and the uh, and the team as as well. All right, where are you guys currently located? I know you're in Vegas. Whereabouts? Where are you When's the competition? All that um, good stuff. We are uh, we are right off the strip right now. We're actually in an Airbnb. Um, we find it's much easier to stay in uh, Airbnbs. So a lot of times we're uh, still cutting, and we got to be here a few uh, a few days. So uh, we like to cook our food and things as opposed to uh, eating all the time. Also saves us some money. But uh, the Airbnbs, man, um, definitely uh, save us save us monies over the hotels whenever we uh, we go on these trips. But um, the competition itself is held at the uh, Westgate Las Vegas Casino. Um, it is a very large spot. It's actually the uh, the same place um, the the team came here last year uh, in September. Uh, we had four athletes compete um, at American Open Series three um, at the same same venue. Very very large spot. Um, very nice. They do uh, they do a good job. I mean, all the casinos in Vegas are huge. So. Uh, the convention centers are gigantic, but um, a very nice spot. So uh, we're glad to be back and uh, and have Talia competing. All right. When is she? Saturday, Sunday. What weight are we uh, looking at? And give us some time. Um, she is on Saturday. She's on Saturday. She'll be on the red platform. Um, her session starts at 10.05 my time, so I believe uh, Eastern, that is one, uh, 1.05 uh, yep. in the afternoon on Saturday. Um, again, that's uh, the red platform. If you go to um, USAW, uh, their actual website, the, the, main, the main page um, has a big thing on there that says uh, – live uh live watching the the universities and national championships they're also holding a really cool competition um it's a uh an, an iwf international weightlifting federation um it's like a it's like a first step qualifier qualifier for the 2020 olympics so there's actually a lot of international athletes here as well that will be uh competing kind of in and out with uh this uh national competition going on at once so it'll be really cool to uh, see some uh, very, very, very high-level lifters, Olympic lifters here, like actual Olympics um, lifting uh, kind of on the same stage as these guys. Pretty cool event. 
All right, so that's Saturday, 105 for our East Coast listeners. We got a lot of people across the country, so uh, basically just move your kind of time around for 105 Eastern. You got 10.05 Vegas time, and, and that side of the country, we've had, a, I think, one caller from California, a couple callers from Atlanta, so that would be Eastern Standard Time Zone, too. So that's Saturday. The USA Weight uh, Lifting Olympic site that does the live stream is really pretty functional. So if you get on there, um, there's a lot of things you can't miss. I know, you know, you're thinking like 10, 12 font. I mean, they pump these fonts up to 36, 72. You really can't miss the thing that says live stream. And then, the li- you know, the platform clicks are, you know, a good 54, you know, 48 font too. So a really functional site. It's not like you're, you know, searching with eyeglasses. Uh, you could find it. Um I mean, so mom, and, mom and dad find it. Uh, mom yeah, and mom dad and dad find, dad find it. it. So, yeah, yeah, if they can find it, we could all find it. Uh, why do you pop her on real quick? We'll chat with her a little bit. Uh, hold on. Let me see if I can uh, grab her. She was in the shower uh, a minute ago. All right. Yeah. Hey, yeah, she's uh she's getting dressed and things. We actually have to go uh, get a training session in uh, before the uh, night's out. So uh, she's right. getting ready and things. But, uh, all right. Well, I if you could, give it, time, man. yeah, man, give a call back in if you want. We'll be on for another hour and forty-five minutes here. So if you want to give us a call and a walk back or whatever, we'll be here and we'll put we'll pop her on. All right, sir. Sounds good. I'll talk to you guys soon. Thanks for having me. All right, you got it, bud. Later. All right, so that was uh, Chad Olson, Olson, owner of Sedulous Performance. He's got a, a competitor there, Thalia Mendoza, competing Saturday, 105. We all Eastern Standard Time. We always try to have him on. Good people have been very successful on our show too, so we want to keep that streak always running. All right, without further ado, back into the sports. I think I'm going to start up first with the with the college basketball, um, the scandal stuff, and then we'll get into our review a little bit. Um, it's it's unfortunate because uh, you know I'm a look I'm not I don't have blinders on um, I've I'm fully aware of what goes on in the NCA there's there's just listen there's no doubt about a lot of these things that go down I have factual information I've seen things I've experienced things uh, it's as shady as it gets uh, but I guess when you got kind of get to this point in my life I I almost kind of put blinders on a little bit hope that things are changing or things are the better. Um, uh, and it, you know, I guess, I guess it's just, it's just not going to get better. It never will. And it's unfortunate. And, and I'll kind of get into it and explain why. And, and really to me, what the most unfortunate part is. Um, so if anybody hasn't heard, there's been a piece going on for almost, basically exactly a year now, because right before March Madness tournament last year, um, kind of the started coming out from the FBI in terms of new newspaper clippings and pieces of wiretapping and some video surveillance and all, all that stuff was starting out media and the news. And uh, so this has been going on for about a year. Uh, I've mentioned a, several times on previous episodes, both uh, from LSU and self from Kansas. And there's somebody else. There's a person can't think of who, uh, no, it's not Pearl. I'm not sure who the third coach is, but they all stuff. Why am I speaking like this tonight? They're all something, you know, to show up at court and the court date 
was in is in about two weeks, just just under two weeks uh, uh, from where we are. Oh yeah, Miller. Thank you, thank you, Paz. Yeah, so Miller's the third. So he had to show up to court, testify, go against this guy and the and everything else. The guy, the main guy, Dawkins from the Adidas that was putting out the double bags and involved in a lot of the cases, um, just got sentenced and needs to do nine months. Uh, and I would assume a couple to find, but I would assume they have to give back all the cash. I don't know how they're going to go around and find the duffel bags that have already been given out and handed. But neither here nor there, um, he's supposed to come back and 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 do it too. Ugh. God, I'm hearing that the skipping is getting worse. This, this, is, this is a serious issue. Um, pause. why don't you just kind of talk, uh, uh, go over the, the call? I'm going to call back in on, and uh, reset everything, if you could do that. So why don't you just take over the article I sent to Score Mobile and go from there? Sure, will do. Um, so, yes, we apologize again about the technical difficulties we've been having in the last few weeks, let's call it. But um, as Rhino started started to talk about, the three coaches are the uh, the LSU coach, um, Wade, the uh, Sean Miller, as, you know, he's been in the news for a very long time about these things at Arizona. And then uh, who's – now I can't think of the third one that, that Rhino had uh, himself. But um, basically – Sorry, Bill South, right. Um, so, yeah, so basically they have him on tape saying that this is the um, the LSU coach. They have him on tape saying that he is made a strong offer, a strong ass offer was the direct quote to uh, one of these recruits, obviously when he was on the phone with, one of the guys from Adidas. Um, so yes, this is very damning, damning um, evidence now where it could, where these, these Adidas guys have already been sentenced to six months. I think another guy, another two guys got nine months in prison. Either way, about a year, let's just call it a, a half a year to a year in prison. Uh, these Adidas guys have, have been charged with. So I don't know, or, you know, you have to think that if they have a coach, on tape claiming that he made an offer to one of these recruits that he would sort of fall into that same bucket that the Adidas and, you know, these, these other people fell into. So at the very least, you have to question whether or not he will be coaching the team at, you know, come two weeks from now in the NCAA tournament. So it's something that we're just going to have to keep an eye on. Um, you know, obviously something that could very negatively impact a team such as LSU, who's, um, you know, sort of on the the outskirts of maybe a three, four, five seed, something like that for a team like that to lose its coach. It would certainly knock them down a peg at least. Um, both Rhino and I have obviously spoken about them. We're, Neither of us are, are very high on them anyway. So this would just, you know, kind of put the, the nail in the coffin for them in terms of, of getting a, a couple wins come come the uh, tournament time in a few weeks. So we're just going to have to uh, keep, an eye on, keep an eye on this, keep an eye on Bill Self, obviously. Um, Arizona is not going to the tournament, so we, we won't have to worry about them in, in you know, the NCAA tournament. But 
Um, as far as Kansas and LSU go, two high-profile teams that will both be in that, that three, four seed range and, uh, you know, might not have their, their head coaches at the helm in two weeks. So we'll just have to see what happens there and, uh, and, and monitor the situation and, and see if, the, if, if there are suspensions handed down prior to Selection Sunday uh, if the committee will take that into account and sort of uh, maybe knock the teams down a little bit just because they, you know, they're, they're obviously missing a huge piece of their, of their team, uh, you know, being a head coach. So we'll just have to see if, uh, if that happens and, and monitor the situation. Quick, I'm trying to reconnect with Mike. Can you just give your thoughts on like what you feel and how, like how it affects March Madness for you? I know it's something you look forward to like I do. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, obviously, when when anything like this is hanging over NCAA, the NCAA, it always puts a little bit of a damper on, uh, you know, on the on the kids and the teams that are playing because ultimately they these scandals take center stage when the 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 kids and the teams and the you know the competition should really be what's taking center stage. Um, so from that standpoint, it's just unfortunate. Um, in terms of what the, what it could do for, for the team, the individual teams that are affected by this, I really do think a team like LSU, who is not really, doesn't have the upper echelon as athletes and things like that. They, they rely a little bit more on coaching than the other, you know, the, the top programs do. So I think, for a team like LSU, it'll certainly affect them greater, especially because their uh, their assistant coaching staff probably is not as experienced and not as deep as these upper echelon programs and, you know, like a Duke, like a Kansas, things like that. So I think it'll affect LSU more than it will affect Kansas um, for the reasons that I already stated. And as far as Kansas goes, I feel like Kansas for the last couple of seasons has ha- sort of had these, these rumors floating around and, and hanging over their heads. So I don't think it's really going to affect them very much. I think what's affecting them is just the, the suspensions and the injuries and, and things like that. So as far as Bill Self goes, I'm not going to change my view on, on Kansas at all for this tournament. Um, and it's really probably not going to affect my view of LSU either just because I'm not very high on them. I think that's ultimately the reason. But if you are somebody out there who is high on them and, and thinks they, they have a chance to make a really deep run, then I would sort of second-guess them going forward um, if their coach is, is ruled out or there are rumors that he might be suspended at some point during the the tournament and things like that. So. Um, you know, you just have to kind of monitor the situation. I hope that we have some resolution by uh, by next Sunday before the you know before the the committee goes to goes behind closed doors and sort of lays all these teams out and, and puts them into the into the bracket. Uh, so that way we know and 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 they know and they can make their assessments of them without coaches, with coaches who have been cleared or you know will not be suspended and uh, and so forth. Yeah. Um, all right. I apologize again for that. So, just 
it hurts me from a standpoint of as a fan. I'm a big March Madness guy. I love Duke basketball, and it takes away for me a little bit watching these teams, knowing what's really happening. I would say. Uh, or, or what's going on a lot. And and I think sometimes with the blinders on, you kind of forget what's going on, as something I mentioned earlier. The other aspect is how much of a blind eye is turned on the NCA and how big of effect a lot of things they let go directly affect other teams and kids on other teams, is how I'll kind of define it. Um. So I I will guarantee this. Write it down now, March seventh, two thousand nineteen, eight twenty two. I guarantee you that if LSU and Kansas get past the first weekend, that court date gets pushed back because there's no way in a billion years the NCA will let a a, a high ranked Kansas team or high seeded Kansas team and a high seeded LSU team be oust out of the tournament because they have illegal players in their team also, which is something that they're not putting in the article. He says on the wiretap multiple times. I don't know if, if Paz touched on this because I was trying to reconnect. He talk, He's talking about Smart, who's their guard right now. Um, he he mentions Smart three times in the thing, and it just so happens that he commits uh, three weeks after, the, after um, this phone call gets uh, recorded. He commits three weeks later. So clearly he's talking about Smart, the guard that's on the team now. And, and that's kind of how I'll go further about this. But – I guarantee you right now, write it down. You heard it here first on Cut Sports Talk. If Kansas or LSU get past the first weekend, that court, there is no way that court date goes on in the early week heading into the second weekend. They will push it back. They'll postpone it. The NCA and everybody else will do everything they can to make sure that these guys are completely fine for the tournament so they can make all the bucks they need. That's one. Okay. Um, to me, the most hurtful thing about it all and the, and the one that's most affected, and this is something that both Paz and I have mentioned a billion times in a bunch of different scenarios regarding the whole thing, is the kids. And I don't mean the kids as everybody. I don't mean the Zion Williamson's and the R.J. Barrett's and um, the, uh, the Williams, uh, Grant Williams, and, and guys like that. The guys I'm talking about are there's – two, there's two types of them. The guy that gets told he's not good enough to play at one of these colleges, so he's at a mid-major school or a smaller school or a school that's not as talented as some of these big programs that are getting busted right now. Or two, the person that's respectful and honest enough that gets handed up a bag that denies it. Okay, And not only do they get affected here, but they get affected later on too. So they get it, they get bent over by the NCAA and all these coaches, other coaches, these scumbag coaches and these scum players who were, who were requesting this stuff, they, these guys bend them over twice. Okay. And I'll explain, I'll explain to you how. Okay. And and pause, just, just give me a, a, a yes or no type thing. That's all I need. I don't need, I don't, if you want to talk a little bit more about it, you be my guest, but merely from this standpoint, I just need a, a, just a rebuttal yes or no type of thing. Can, is there any argument if I said, has LSU not benefited from smart playing this season? Oh, absolutely. There's no question about okay. it. Will he, will they not benefit if he plays against someone like Yale in the first round? 
they'll certainly benefit. I'm not, they, they probably don't need him if that's what you're sort of getting at, but they would obviously, okay. anytime he's on the court, but, they're going to benefit the from Right. So the but the chances of Yale, who's a small school, not accepting these things, kids that got told they weren't good enough and didn't accept offers, would they not have a better shot to knock off uh, LSU without Smart? Oh, absolutely. No question about okay. it. Okay. So now the Yale kids, they get bent over twice. Okay. Did Memphis not benefit with Derrick Rose and need him to get to a national title game in 2008? And did if they don't have him, do they beat Mississippi State by more than three without him in the first round? No, absolutely, no, absolutely okay. not. They, 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 but they're not even in a position to be uh, number one, number two, number three seed. I forget exactly what seed they were in, in that tournament. So they're not yep. even a you know a top five seed, six seed, whatever. You know, there obviously there was obviously other talent there. Um, it wasn't just Derrick Rose, but Derrick Rose was a major piece of that team. So they would have never even been in the, the seed that they were had they not had Derrick Rose um, at, on their team. Okay. So now the kids from Mississippi State get bent over because they probably beat that and they probably win that first round game because they only lost by three. And everybody along the way that they beat, I would assume for the most part, I, would, I, I looked at the bracket, but I, I would go ahead and say that Probably along a path like that to national title game, you probably play two of the six games, typically two to three are against teams of not that high of a power. And it's not like Memphis is a monster like Kentucky Duke and, and likes like that, uh, you know, uh, Syracuse, et cetera. So I would say at the minimum, they probably played three teams that got bent over to also along the way, minimum. Okay. How did Louisville not benefit or did the kids not get hurt by the 11 teams that Louisville beat in back-to-back years to go to the national title and final four that are all now suspended? They did. Okay. So now it's 11 teams. Again, you play 11 games. And I just said three for for a team like Memphis, so I'll go up and I'll say six, five to six. Kids get bent over twice by Louisville. Does Michigan do anything without Chris Webber in 1993? Uh, That team was pretty talented, but they probably don't go to the national title. Mm -hmm. And the final four back-to-back years, no shot. Does Syracuse get to the lead eight without Fab Mello? Um... I would have to look at that roster. Um, uh, yeah, I that one's a little more plausible because Fab Mello wasn't exactly the, you know, it's not like he was Carmelo or he was, you know, Hakeem Warwick or like one of those guys that they had up there. He he was more of one of those, you know, kind of fill the box sheet up, things like that, but never really, you know, he didn't drop 30 a game or 20 a game, He, you know, he was more of like a 12 and 10 type guy and a really good defender. So I guess I could foresee them having gone to the elite eight without him, but yeah, I mean, obviously he was a better player than his backup. So. Okay. Fair enough. Six, five, seven, three, three, one, six, nine, two. We're talking the college basketball scandal right now. Feel free to call in about anything, whatever you want. Um, how about the uh, four teams that got bent over with Ohio State getting to the Final Four in 1999 with their scandal got all nullified? 
did those teams not get bent over and screwed? Uh, yes, they did. Okay. Does Duke not take out Kansas before OT last year if they didn't have Sosa, who pulled in 10 board, 11 boards and added four points? Um, who gets 11 rebounds? Who gets 11 rebounds for them if he's not in the game? Yeah, I guess. Yeah, I guess that's true. Okay. Does Kentucky get out of the first round as a number one seed in a slim nine-point victory over Eastern Kentucky? Yeah. I, yes, I, I would think so. Okay. This P.J. Dozer leading an unknown South Carolina team to the Final Four East Regional and making the all-tournament team play no role for South Carolina. Yeah, I actually, I didn't realize that report came out. I guess I'm deficient in my end, but uh, yeah, uh, obviously that's, he was a pretty big part of that team. So mm-hmm. he's knocking off Duke and, and, you know, ended up in the final four. So yeah, you'd have to say that, that, that may not have happened. That run may not have happened had he uh, not been playing. Okay. So I just need to nine schools. Let me ask you this. How many of those coaches weren't there after the allegations? I'll help you out because I don't want you to have to go do research. Every well, single know, one of those coaches I... that dealt with a suspension all coached there for one more year, except Calipari because he ran out when he got a rumbling. But oh, well, what about that Bayon? just shows you. Well, Bayon's still there. Right, so that's what I'm saying. So you said everyone. Left I said every coach years. about every coach but Calipari still continue to coach at least one year after the scandal, without getting gotcha. any allegations okay. against him. Besides Calipari, who ran out of the building, so he really doesn't count because he ran. But the rest of those guys had no no punishment, no nothing for a minimum. Some of them, uh, I wrote down here which one. So let's see. Cal left on his own. Patino fired. Coached four years after the allegations. Uh, Stewart from Michigan. Coached another two more. Bayheim's still there, obviously, as we all know. James at Ohio State coached three more after that. Bill Stealth is still going, still getting calls years later for all the shit he's doing because now he's getting allegations for this. They haven't even finished the stuff from the previous years. Now he's on this uh, Adidas thing, so now he's in a new one. Obviously, he's still there, not suspended. Miller, back coaching. Uh, Pearl, back coaching at Auburn. Calipari, still at Kentucky after this allegations. LSU coach. Still coaching this season. South Carolina coach, still coaching there. So, so again, nobody gets affected by what these coaches do and what these scum players do. And a whole bunch I just named, and we go on and on and on. There's a million more, even for, for times that before I was even alive. There's 70s, 80s, etc. Okay? Coaches don't get in trouble. The people that get hurt the most are the kids that already got told they couldn't make it there and the kids that are getting screwed because they're playing against guys who shouldn't be on the court because they should be suspended. But all the NCAA cares about is pumping their pockets. So none of these guys do anything till after the tournament's over, and then they tell us some wins are nullified as if they're going to go back to the bracket and replay the game without the kids there, which we all know doesn't happen. And it's a joke, and it just puts a, a black cloud over college basketball, and I'm not going to lie, it takes away from it a little bit. Like, am I going to be pumped in two weeks? Hell yeah, I'm going to be pumped. 
But, like, it's annoying that I'm, like, here, and I'm all invested in college basketball, and i got to be talking about this bullshit every single year. This happened the same time last year. I, I swear, it was, like, the same week. Same week. We open it up. This guy got lunch. This guy has a check receipt. It's, like, every year it's the same shit. Instead of just booting these dudes the fuck out of the game, enough's enough already. Suspending the kids, done. Let's get it over with. Get them off the court. Game over. You're out. See you later. Better luck somewhere else. Better luck in China. Better luck in Iran. Better luck in Italy, wherever you want to go. See you later. That's it. But all that's cared about is money. And this goes back to the Zion conversation we had. And this goes back to the, uh, the conversation we had about players leaving early and players sitting out games and them not going to be – it goes on and on. It's not just basketball. It's football. These guys get rocked in football too. It's basketball, it's football, and it all comes down to the same bark. As we call my field, you got a bunch of limbs that come off a bark to the tree, and the bark to this tree has NCAA engraved as deep as you could possibly engrave it into the tree bark. And there's a million stems that come off it, and it just refuses to get fixed. And we had a caller a couple weeks ago, and Nas from Atlanta, and he brought up some great points. Some of these schools just need to say, you know what, see you later. We'll open our own business. We'll open our organization. We'll move on from there. This is as corrupt as it gets. It's a joke, whatever. Does anybody not think that like a team like Indiana, who's 16 and 14 and, and freaking under 500 in the conference, who would obviously bring in more money, is not going to get uh, is not going to get in the tournament over somebody like. I don't know, because Limson will automatically get in. I would have to look it up. But if somebody that's a little bit like maybe the second-best team in, in, in Woodford's conference, of course they're going to get in. Maybe they play better teams. Maybe they haven't. I don't know. But they're going to get in because they align more pockets, and that's how it works, and then that's what the committee has to follow. And then when everybody tunes in after Sunday, I never do because I don't give a shit what these analysis think. I don't, I don't care who the fuck they think is going to win. They all got to pump their own friggin' butts. Don't care. But the point is, is that when they answer all these questions, when the committee chairman comes out, he's like, oh, this guy left out because he has this and that and the other thing. It's all just bullshit, man. They know who's going here, there, everywhere before the freaking thing even starts. And then they just teach you some shit. Until that bark of the tree is chopped down with a chainsaw, it's going to be the same stuff. And it's just unfortunate for us, the fan, to have to deal with this. Every single year before the shit. Now you got gambling stuff involved too, where it looks like some refs are freaking letting points in that are clearly not uh, there and it's affecting outcomes for gambling. So now you got to worry about that. It sucks, man. Sucks for the fan. And it most importantly, and way more than the fan, because we're just guys that are uh, with beer bellies drinking beer and sitting on our couch. That's all that the March Madness is for us. It sucks for the kid that got told he wasn't good enough or denied the money to be handed to. And then gets bent over, not once at that point in time, but gets bent over a second time by somebody or multiple people who he shouldn't have to be playing against on a court or gets eliminated in the tournament his senior year after he worked his ass off for four years, busting in the gym, busting in the uh, food court or, you know, their nutritional specialist, busting it, taking extra shots. And then he's getting beat by three guys who shouldn't even be on the court. And he gets eliminated from the tournament his senior year by three points. And if the two guys that end up getting their wins nullified, he don't get back, go back to get to play that game. 
And that's most importantly who it's most unfortunate for. And it just sucks that we have to waste time in our lives talking about this bullshit. It's like talking about the NFL drama. It's the same thing. And it sucks. And of course, again, it's right two weeks before March Madness. Pause. Anything well, yeah, on the rest the of other, that? Yeah. The other issue. Yeah. The other issue is also that when these sanctions are handed down for these programs, it's usually, like you said, a few years after yeah, the people no that are involved with they're gone. So then you get the, these kids end up getting screwed again because they their their school is being sanctioned and they're not allowed to go to the tournament or this and that. They lose scholarships and you know the the big recruit that that went there or you know the the ancillary recruits that went there now are just not even going to be able to compete on the national stage because of something that happened four years ago when you know they were a freshman in high school. Um, you know, and now they're they're never going to be able to, you know, get to a national title game or you know things like that just because of the fact that, um, you know, they're being they're being punished for things that happened prior to them ever being there or ever thinking that they were going to be recruited by such and such a school. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, dude, I'm with you. It's it's just sucks, and those guys I feel a little bit less about because I'm sure most of them. Like if you're going to a school that's getting sanctioned, you know what's going on and you're, you're getting the same things, but I do get what you're saying. Like there's some ancillary players, like you mentioned that certainly, uh, you know, aren't as highly touted or whatever. And, um, you know, I get what you're saying there completely, definitely, but it's, it, it, you're right. Most importantly, as both of us have now spoke about, it's about, it's about the kid. The kid gets fucked multiple times. Uh, it's not a video game where three years later you get a sanction and the kid says, okay, let me go. I'm going to go restart the uh, video game. We're going to go play that 2017 over again. It, it don't work that way. And it, it, it's unfortunate. Um, all right. Anything else on that? I, I think we, we covered kind of all the aspects, but I just want to make sure we got that out. Cause it's just, it just sucks. Yeah. And uh, I think we, I think we hit it on the head just from the standpoint that we don't know, we don't know yet what's going to happen going forward with, you know, suspension oh, I do. Or, or whatever. I so, know. Well, I know. I, I get, you're fooling, I know. You're fooling yourself like we, if you don't think they're getting pushed back. Dude. I'm telling well, you right now, if, um, if both of them, if both of them win Thursday, Saturday, Friday, Sunday, whatever, there's no shot in no, bro. I would mortgage my house to Vegas, put up a bet. There's no shot that court meeting gets held on Tuesday. I'm telling you right now. I will risk it, whatever you want. I'll put it down right now for, if a listener wants to call to disagree with me, a Western Union money wire right now, we could keep it at pending. There's no way. No way. Yeah, I mean, you're at, you're the fans and the listeners, they, they'll, if they don't know already, um, they'll find out very soon that you're a, a much bigger conspiracy theorist than I am. And, uh, but no. look, I know you, I tell you, how you know, it is. We have things to back it up. We, you know, we have the, the, the prior, uh, performances, let's say the past performances, if, to use a horse race, yeah. racing reference, of uh, you know the, the the track record of the NCAA and how they handle these things. So yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if that happens at all either. Sosa would have been out last year if they did this correctly. And then Duke goes to the national title game. All right. Well, uh, Monday. Not much. Uh, Vir- you know, Virginia beat Syracuse. You know, like. That's good. Um, Syracuse, not that great. Beat them by 20. Not much to speak on there. Kansas State, TCU, pause. You want to touch on this? Yeah, Kansas State uh, took care of business. They, they played really well. They, I said it on the show that I thought they won, they would win. They were a one-point favorite. So, 
uh, you know, really sort of solidified themselves as the the top of the or the upper echelon of the of the Big 12. And um, yeah, and they look good going forward. I'm I'm still very high on them. I, I think they have a nice shot to to make some noise in the tournament. Um, TCU is they're done. Uh, I do not think they should get into the tournament, barring a a very deep run in the in the Big 12 tournament and maybe knocking off Kansas State and then Texas Tech or something like that. If they if they're able to knock off two of the of the top three or so teams in the Big 12 on their way to getting to the title game, then maybe you can kind of consider them again. But I think this loss really just kind of shows you what they are. They've they've really faltered here at the end of the at the end of the season. They have now lost uh, six of their last seven, um, and a couple of those being kind of bad bad losses. I, I think you can kind of stick a fork in this team as well in terms of their their uh, tournament aspirations. Yeah, they're just not talented enough offensively, and they have such a, a brutal court. So I'm glad, you know, they're kind of out of it because I don't have to watch them again on that home court, the whiteout court. Um, Texas Tech case, takes care of Texas by 19. There's really not much to say about that. They get a job done that they should. Paz, do you want to touch on that or no? No, I just think Texas Tech on the offensive end is really kind of showing us something here at the, the last few games of the year. Um kind of turning it up another notch on, on the offensive end and making their offense not look like such a liability any longer. So maybe it's just a team we're going to have to revisit, uh, you know, in two weeks with the with the tournament. Or just, you know, just another one of those elite Big 12 squads they got, you know, in that conference loaded. Well, that's, a, that's another standpoint as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, Duke beats Wake Forest by one. I mean, I don't really care. Uh, no Zion. They just looked. They just. They just didn't look in sync. Really, they're kind of sloppy. Uh, they didn't really look like they cared to be there. Trey Jones almost got like literally murdered twice. Um, came back. You know, a funny of all people actually, and and positive I've been. Eh, he was actually pretty efficient. Four for eight, one for one. Of all people, actually, and my yeah, I give a shout out to my mother. Um, she's she's just adamant about and very supportive of all our sports teams. So like whoever her son's like and her husband likes, that's who she's rooting for. She gets so nervous. I mean, even when me and my, my brother and I played, she <laughs> closed her eyes sometimes and in, in, in certain plays and uh, she wouldn't videotape us anymore because it made her too nervous, but neither here nor there. She actually brought something up to me the other day about how she thought that um, Trey Jones wasn't shooting as good as he was in the beginning of the season because she feels like his shoulder, uh, she, he still can't raise his arm fully straight over his shoulder when he shoots that she noticed, which is just kind of crazy that my mom picked up on that. And I actually kind of forgot about it because after that one game, he came back. I said the pause, or actually it was two games later. Um, there was like 342 left in the game. And you could see that his shoulder was bothering him so much that he, it was almost like he had it in a sling him like a, like a, like an air sling, the way he was carrying it. You know, sometimes you get injured, you kind of hold it like you hold it as almost if it's in a sling, but it's not. And I, after that, I like, not that I haven't noticed, but I just didn't really, I like forgot about the injury. And then my mom brought it up and I said to myself, like, shit, like how have I not thought about that? The sports guy I am, this Duke guy, that maybe his shooting woes are related to the fact that his shoulder is still like displaced, 
which is completely possible. Um, and now he gets trucked two more times. This, this poor guy is literally gets thrown around like a rag doll. But uh, pause. Any thoughts on that? That my what my mom brought up. Yeah, that's interesting. I haven't picked up on it either, and I kind of just forgot about it. Um, the day you sent that to me, I think, was during the like the second half of the second Virginia game. Um, yes, yes. When, you know, Duke was kind of had it in hand and, yep. and whatever, but uh, he certainly looked to be laboring a little bit or favoring it. I have to – And I if he thinks to... he really hasn't shot well since then. Like, since he's got back no, from the he, he hasn't. hasn't shot well. Like, he's, he actually – he didn't shoot great. But like he was, he's known as a facilitator. But he made his he made his spot shots in the beginning of the season when he before he got hurt. And I just I yeah. didn't think about it. Yeah. Yeah, I haven't thought about that either. It's gonna be something to keep an eye on on Saturday for sure. Um, I will definitely be watching him more closely when he is rising up for a jumper. And uh, yeah, we'll have to see if that that theory holds any water. Which I yeah, it seems certainly plausible. Yeah, crazy. Uh, Buffalo barely escapes uh, a game against Ohio by three. Uh, what else is new? Uh, both Paz and I can't wait to just be on the opposite side of whatever seed this draws. I think I text Paz last night, and these these cats are a four seed. Like, oh, my God. Uh, I don't know if that's a – I mean, Paz has been saying all year that the bubble's uh, short. But I, looking at some the, where these, some of these teams are seeded, I don't know if it's a definition of – or a – the definition is not the right word. A, a, a value of how bad the field is this year, or if it's as a whole, or just Joe Lenardi doesn't know anything, which I already know myself. But I mean, you, I don't think he'd get this many wrong. I mean, not even I could get this many wrong. So I, I don't know. Yeah, man. I think, it's uh, go ahead. Yeah, I think it definitely has something to do with the fact that the there really are no. You know, outside of, like, the top three or four teams, there's, like, everyone else is sort of just the same. There's no, you know, like, middle – there's no, like, second-tier teams. Everyone is just in that same second tier. Like, you can sort of – I feel like you can almost toss them up in the air and, like – and, you know, Buffalo, Nevada, uh, Kansas, they're at Kansas State, you know, like, all these teams are sort of exactly the same while – you know, we obviously have different opinions on, on certain ones and whatever, but, like, yeah, for Buffalo to be a four seed, for Houston to be a three seed, for Nevada to yeah, be a four seed. Yeah, I mean, seed, some, like, of those, some of those teams, teams I was are, listening to last night, I mean, they're not – they're not qual- – I mean, I mean, look, the two of us are working on a formula, and when you look at some of these brackets and who you're typing into the two and three seeds compared to what I'm typing in as a two and a three seed this year, I mean, they're, they're not close. They're not close. No, you're absolutely right. Yeah, we. You know, I mean, if you're a mid-major uh, team going in this year, or not even a mid-major team, think about a who's somebody that's like a like like in Indiana or like Wolford. Wolford's a good example. I mean, they're 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 probably a little bit more talented, but like, are you worried about anybody in front of you? Like, I'm not. Like some of no, these teams, I think, get in there and they're kind of like. I don't want to say they're like shitting themselves, but it's a little bit much. It's a big time game. It's a uh, it's a big time two seed or this is a big time three seed or man, this is gonna we may get out of this one, but uh, you know we got the 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 number one coming up next. Like, I mean, besides the the Duke and Virginia and the Zags and Kentucky, like I'm not worried about anybody coming out second round. Like, I, you know, you could really make a run here, and I I think that plays bodes well for them from a, a, a you know a mental standpoint. No. You're absolutely right. There's no, 
not that I think a lot of these schools, like you said, I, I don't think they get scared or anything like that because, look, they're all D1 athletes. They're all, you know, higher-level level athletes, things like that. So I don't think anyone's ever scared. But when you know, you know, just from my own experiences being, you know, being an athlete, when you go up against a team that you know you match up better than or better, better with than, you know, the number one team in the nation – you absolutely feel better about yourself just immediately going into that game. And you already just feel more confident right from the start. Um, that's always how I was, um, you know, and I just, uh, look, I, you know, I wasn't a, a, a top level athlete. It's not like, a, you know, but I was playing varsity sports in, in high school and, you know, starting on, on multiple teams and things like that. So it's not like, um, you know, I don't have a, a decent experience in terms of those types of things. And yeah, for me, it was when you knew that you were going up against a team that wasn't number one in the city or wasn't number one in the state, you you just sort of felt more confident going in right from the start. And I think these mid-level majors and, and even some of these, you know, teams that win the, you know, the OVC conference and the Atlantic Sun conference and things like that, if they're a 15 or 14, like, and you get matched up against Houston, uh, like, are you really that – are you really that worried about it? I'm not worried that worried about it. I would love to go up against Houston as a, yeah, as a no, definitely not, you know? Yep. Oh so, yeah. hundred uh, yeah, percent, man. Right. I'm with you. I told you already they're going down the first game they play. Um, Michigan state, uh, takes care of Nebraska by 15, you know, grats. Good for them. Uh, you know, that's something they should do, have to do, uh, at home. Uh, Virginia Tech, Florida State. Interesting game here. Florida State comes away with an OT. I don't think Virginia Tech's that great. I don't think Florida State's that great. But I think, as we were kind of just talking about the tiers, I do think that Florida State and Virginia Tech are on different tiers. Um, I don't personally like – like, I don't like Virginia Tech at all, but I don't love Florida State. So, I, if I tiered them, I think Florida State's a much better team. Um so interesting. This one goes to OT down to the wire. I feel like uh, Florida State's been in a lot of uh, kind of close games this year, but uh, you know, pull another one out here. I don't really want to mess around with the um, with the browser pause just in case it disconnects me. Do you do you have like a, a little bit of a play by play, or can you just give kind of a breakdown? Yeah, sure, uh, absolutely. Um, so I do know that Florida State. Was fought back in this game to you know to get it to overtime and ultimately get it um, what should we call it and ultimately win it and cover the spread uh, I might add but um, so sorry so in terms of what you were saying about like the tears I definitely agree with you that. Florida State is a, you know, a, on a higher tier than than Virginia Tech is. I'm not a real big fan of this Virginia Tech team. They are, it, it's really just, it, it ultimately comes down to the, uh, you know, to the three-point shot with them. If they're not hitting their threes, they're really not going to go anywhere. And Florida State, I do think, lacks good decision-making sometimes. Um, and I think that could ultimately hurt them. Uh, but yeah, so uh, so I'm pulled up the box score here. They Florida State was down by 14 going into this at the end of the first half, and then really just you know the score was 
basically from within that 13 to 10 range wow. for the first four to five minutes. And then Florida State, yeah, they just sort of went on a run and were able to cut it to, you know, cut it to like that, that four to six point range as well. Then they went up by, by five points. Then they gave the lead back to, to Virginia Tech. They went back down by, uh, let's see, they actually kept the lead for a while and went. Oh, so, okay. So they kept the lead basically from the 10 minute mark, 11 minute mark, then till the rest of the game and were, went scoreless though. No, they didn't go scoreless. So they hit a couple of free throws, but yeah, they, they didn't score from the two minute, the two minute 46 second mark down to the 28 second mark. So that allowed Virginia tech to get back into the game. And, and ultimately they hit a three with 13 seconds left. And then Florida state came down Really didn't have a very good look at it. I, I saw the ending of this game. Really didn't have a very good, good look off of the out of the timeout, and uh, you know missed a three. Ended up going to overtime, and then in overtime, Virginia Tech only scored two points in overtime. Sorry, three points in overtime. So Florida State really took care of business in overtime. Locked down on defense. Uh, was re- very very efficient from, on the offensive end, and. Uh, and yeah, did what they probably should have done in regulation, but ultimately came away with the win. A nice win against the ranked opponent. Uh, no, you know, no, no issues with them. You know, pulling this game out, obviously. And uh, yeah, moving forward, I think I'm a, a little higher on them than you are, and I think that uh, they have a chance to to make a little bit of a run. Yeah, I mean, I liked them. I just think they're going to be very matchup based. I think guards can beat them up. Um... They will dominate. Um, they will certainly dominate the paint. But if someone has an equal, uh, the likes of a Purdue, a uh, Michigan State, um, Kentucky, uh, someone that could to compete with them on the glass, uh, they're going to really struggle because Kentucky also has guards. Michigan State also has guards. Purdue struggles with the guards a little bit, and we'll get into them next. But. Uh, I, I think like a Michigan State Kentucky will be a, a bad matchup for them, and and look, uh, maybe they get a, you know, maybe they're four and they don't see them till you know second weekend anyway. But um, you know, I just I just don't think they're uh, balanced enough to make a run. Uh, but they will be a very tough inside presence. You know, someone that they could give serious matchup problem to would be someone like Marquette because Marquette yeah, struggles with absolutely. somebody that's bigger and athletic and they throw that guy on Howard and that's when Howard struggles. And the, and the two other guys, uh, they like to be taller than the guys they're shooting against the two white kids. And uh, yesterday you saw that Providence ended up putting a center and two forwards in the game, put the three of them, put a forward on Howard. That was athletic enough to move a center and a forward. The center actually only had, uh, I want to say the guy said 108 minutes the entire season collectively as a whole. So they he throws him out there basically that a guy that's just athletic and and those three guys could not shoot a, a lick over the three of those guys and that's so that's somebody that would be a a big plus for Florida State to see someone like Marquette but I, I just think they're going to be a matchup based team and I just think there's ta- uh, you know other talent that's better than them but and I but I don't like Virginia Tech at all what did they shoot as a team uh, from three paws just uh, curiosity for B Tech Virginia Tech shot. Eight for 27, so 30% from three. Yeah, so they won't win unless they shoot 40. I've been saying it all year. It hasn't beat me yet. Um, 
All right, uh, so as we just mentioned, Purdue. Minnesota takes out Purdue on the road. Uh, look, the Big Ten is just brutal. Uh, I've been saying it for weeks, man. There's some teams that are at the bottom of this conference that could knock off some teams that are in the top five. That's just a God's honest truth. Um, and, uh, look, they go into Minnesota. I thought Purdue would be a little bit more just amped up on this game. I thought Edwards was looking better than he looked in the previous games. I, like uh, we've mentioned, I don't know if it's fatigue, an injury, a combination, not sure. Uh, but – he basically goes Kobe Bryant style in this game, something we've also mentioned compared to a lot of the other, uh, you know, Edwards, I would say is a top five, top seven at the least player in the NCAA. The other guys that are ahead of him that you could, you know, argue whatever, whoever you want, one through seven, I would say the other six, I can name five right now, top of my head, have much more help or an opposing part, an opposing gear to the machine than Edwards does. Uh, and that's where, you know, Purdue will really struggle. Um, and Edwards here goes Kobe Bryant style three for 15 from three and takes 31 shots in the game to only score 22 points. That's just not going to do it for Purdue. Uh, he needs to be more efficient and clearly cannot be the sole shot taker to, to win basketball games. And you're not going to be able to do it on the road. And uh, that's just my, that's really my concern at Purdue. They have a lot of sneaky numbers, tough conference, have played tough competition uh, at a certain point in time. I don't know if they still are, uh, played the number one defenses in all of basketball and still had a top 10 offense. That's all very impressive. But when push comes to shove, if your star is gassed to the max, you're going to struggle. Um, and there's, there's just no way around that. So um that's that's where Purdue's going to have its problems. They will dominate some teams that are strict guard play and don't have paint play, uh, but they need a rested Edwards to be successful. Pause. Yeah, I mean, you, you kind of just hit, hit the nail on the head. Uh, they didn't play very good defense in this game either. They let that guy Coffee go for 32 points. Um, so that's not going to get it done either. You can't let come tournament time, you can't let one guy sort of go off and, and really just destroy your team. And, and that's what they did. I, like you said, the, the big 10 is, is a gauntlet there. Uh, there's a lot of teams at the bottom of the big 10 that, that would be much higher up in, in other conferences. And uh, yeah, Minnesota, they probably with this win, probably punched their ticket to the tournament. I would assume yeah, definitely. Um, yep. they, you know, they're going to be another team that'll be an eight seed or whatever, and they're going to be a tough out for if they get through the first game. They'll they'll be a tough, you know, they'll play the number one seed tough, and you know, probably end up losing. But yeah, they'll be a tough they'll be a tough out for whoever they whoever they get matched up against. That's for sure. Um, yeah, you do not want to yeah, be a one seed and see a Big Ten team on the line just to have to play in the second round. There's no doubt about that. Yeah, uh, I mean, absolutely. I would, not, I would, that would be an instant uh, a thing for me to look at if I was any of those teams up there. The likes of, uh, you know, I don't know who's going to do what now. Tennessee or you know, Kentucky, North Carolina, whatever. Duke will beat anybody. I'm not worried about it as long as Zion's back. But uh, that's just you just don't want to see a Big Ten on the line true second round game after you just got a cakewalk. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Uh, Oklahoma beats, or well, first North Carolina beats Boston College by 13. Grats. Um, Oklahoma takes out Kansas. Listen, uh, Kansas is banged up or suspended and self's in trouble, and I, I just don't know what's going on there. Um, 
I've mentioned this a billion times. I'm not going to keep being repetitive and go into it in depth about this game. Kansas and Ohio State are going to be two te- or Iowa State are going to be two teams that I'm going to have on one ticket, both losing their first game, and on one ticket going a little bit far. They choose when to show up. Who knows? Freaking, you'll probably you'll probably see Vic all of a sudden in uniform for the first March Madness game, and everyone's going to be like, you know, what the fuck? My bracket screwed, and you know that's something Bill Self will do. I always joke around and say, you know, he'll probably go pay LeBron come play for the tournament as a joke, but that's just literally that's just that's Bill Self special. I don't know how he's coaching. He's literally equal to Calipari. Uh, neither here nor there. Um, I mean, I guess this is one of those times where, like we've mentioned about Houston, Nevada, we wish they would keep winning so we could rip the seed on the opposite side. But um, they drop one here, which should certainly drop them. And I'm sure the committee will probably take into effect that the guys they're missing, they're clearly not the same team. And, you know, that will hurt us people that are non-backers uh, also. Pause. Yeah, and just to uh, to add as well, this this loss ended the 14-year reign of Kansas at least sharing the Big 12 regular season title. I think they, of those 14 years, I think four of them were split and 10 of them were outright. So, look, just something that, you know, streaks like that don't happen often. In, in How many sports, of those 14 years did they actually win legally? You know? All right, look, I... Uh, no, I don't. I just wonder. I just wonder. I thought that's still, the stat you were going to give me. I'd rather. I'd rather hear that. They won. They. They. they their streak of fourteen illegal conference wins came to an end. Yes, their streak of fourteen straight illegal conference wins came to an end. And uh, thank you. You know, something still, still a you know, a, a shady accomplishment. You could say it's, a very it's an, accomplishment. It's an, it's an accomplishment for the kids, for the schools, what, what have you. And, uh, yeah, it's just a little changing of the guard in the Big 12. And, uh, yeah, like you said, you kind of wish they won this game just so that way they would continue winning, be a better seed in the tournament, so that way they would, you know, get – you'd be able to, uh, you know, pick a few more upsets, things like that. But – uh yeah, they got totally dominated in this game. It was actually a much wider margin than, than 13 for most of it. So, um, yeah, they just they didn't look very good at all. Um, Kentucky beats Old Miss by six on the road. Uh, the SEC is just bad. Kentucky chooses when they want to show up. Um, I mean, look, uh, this is just another one that just gets repetitive. Uh, I'm not surprised they pulled it out. Down one, outscore them by five in the second half, win a ball game. Um, the committee will probably get their nuts off and say that Ole Miss should be in the tournament and be a high seed because they hung with Kentucky and only lost by four. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised. Um, and then Auburn gets a, a okay win against Alabama that people are consider is a great win. I don't, I don't know what they're watching. Pause. Anything on those two? Nah, nothing to add. All right, uh, Tennessee beats a bad Mississippi State team by 17. I mean, they're not any good. 21-9, if you can't be ranked at 21-9, see you later. And Nevada responds with an 11-point win over Air Force. Anything on those two? No, Nevada took care of business like they should have, didn't cover the spread, but uh, 
still took care of business. And um, Tennessee, yeah, I mean, they just – it was senior night. It was uh, up against a a um, a team that was or is not very good, um, who they just completely are much better than. So, yeah, they did what they were supposed to do as well. All right, last night, Marquette Seton Hall. Interesting game here. Um, not only do I like the Marquette team, and also guard play is very important in March Madness, and they have uh, an elite guard. Um, Wojo's the coach of Marquette. I'm sure you all know. So I, I tend to, like, support the Duke guys. I watch North, uh, Northeastern in the – no, Northwestern in the uh, tournament always. I try to root for them. Uh, with with Collins over there and Wojo at Marquette. I'm glad to see as a good team. But what's staple for Wojo is guard play and elite defense. I mean, even when Marquette's not that good, their defense is always ranked in the top 25 because that's how Wojo plays ball. One of the best on-ball defenders in Duke basketball history, uh, top three at the least. And um, they literally – I mean, look, Seton Hall goes on an 18-0 run to end the game, but, I mean, this defense, basically, Powell, Powell would come down for Seton Hall. He would drive through three guys that had no interest in sliding over to either take a charge or just get in front of them. He would hit a layup. And then he would come down the court, and the guy would be playing five steps off him, and he would pull up and pop a three. They did not play a second of defense for the final – I actually know the time exactly, which is crazy. The final seven minutes and 24 seconds of the game, my wife walked in from Ash Wednesday Church, and she said, do you want to watch a show? And I said, listen, this is Wojo I've been telling you about. Let's watch the end of this. It was 7:24, and that's when it just – the wheels just started completely falling off, and he wasn't playing anyway. Um, and then – and that's, but they still had a lead there. Like, they're still, like, kind of okay, still hitting shots. So, like, to keep it, like, you know, this monster lead gets trimmed all the way down, and they're still all right. And then, like, instead of they have the under timeout, they take another timeout to kind of halt the run, and they come back, and they still play no D, and Powell goes on another of his own, just 10 point. Uh, 10 point uh, uh, straight point for himself on a run. Like he went on a self run versus the defense. It wasn't like a, you know, 18 and 0 Seton Hall run. He literally went on his own self run and they just didn't play. And then Marquette's just coming down, making one pass and throwing up a shot here and throwing up a shot here. This guy's taking a, a fadeaway three off an inbounds pass. It was just, it was one of the sloppiest seven minute team performances, especially defensive performances, because, look, everyone goes cold for a certain amount of spell. It is what it is. And then your motivation sw- or momentum swings and you're it. You're not at your home court. That's fine. I understand that. That happens offenses all the time. But to go completely just mo- like you're mind blown that a guy's dribbling down the lane to take a layup is was just baffling to me. And um, it was just – it was almost like – almost shady. Like, I, I don't think it was fixed. I, I'm not saying that, but it was like, it, it, that's, I'm trying to get across, like, if you didn't actually see it, like, how bad the defense performance was. Like, it was almost like they, they were, like, in an all-star NBA game, 
and we're like watching him just drive down the lane and we're like okay with it. Like that that's how bad that's what I'm trying to get across is how bad the defensive performance was the last seven forty two of the game. And uh and they end up winning because they you know, the last four minutes they could not buy it couldn't hit a shot. But again, why are you taking fadeaways off an inbounds pass with to the you know seventeen seconds on a shot clock? I don't know that either. Uh but again, offenses go cold. To go completely just brain dead on defense for seven minutes, that's a little bit of a different story and, and, and slightly concerned to me. Pause. Yeah, I think watching this Marquette team, you can't help just feel a little concerned for them going forward. Um, you know, just on the offensive end as well. Uh, you know, they obviously have Howard, but it's going to be a struggle for the, the ancillary players to, to, you know, to really contribute there. And they're going to need that contribution in order to, to make a run in the tournament. So I was once very high on this team. I, still want to keep the faith with them, but they're sort of showing me things now. I think they've lost three in a row now. So they're sort of showing their, the ugly side of, of what they're doing where they're not playing great defense. They really do rely very heavily on just one player. Um, so yeah, they're going to have to clean some things up and, uh, and if they want to make a deep run because they're going to end up getting matched up with a, with some teams, you know, to say, if they make it to the second weekend, where they'll be underdogs, and yes, Howard can absolutely carry them to to a victory. But if they're not stopping anybody on the defensive end, it really doesn't matter how many points Howard scores; they're they're going to lose. Yeah, man, hundred um, percent. LSU somehow, to unbeknownst to me, I, it took a pause text message to even tell me, goes in to takes OT again. Their seventh OT game of the year. Their 21st game under nine point, determined by under nine points or more, and their 17th game determined by five points or less. Go into OT, take OT to beat this Florida team. Florida had the, has the worst set offense in the history. The announcers were complaining about it the entire first half. I watched the whole first half. It was so embarrassing that I actually turned the game off because literally LSU would go down to the three-point line, dump the ball in the paint, and the dude would just dunk over the entire Florida defense. They would go down. Florida wouldn't know what to do in offensive set. What else is new? Throw up a friggin' Hail Mary prayer. Miss the shot clock on three different occasions. Just completely expire it because they don't know what to do on an offensive set. And LSU would just go down, put the ball in the paint, dunk the ball. And somehow I had to turn it off because it was such a snooze fest and it was so boring and it was just such an embarrassing display of basketball. That's how bad also the SEC is. That's how bad Florida is in offensive set that I turned the game off and didn't even know they actually ran no OT with this team to win by one until Post tax me. Embarrassing. I, you know, they'll never get suspended in a million years. But I just, I almost, I just hope they get knocked out because you know now Smart is becoming a, a key player. They keep playing him with Waters now instead after that performance. Uh, like, I, I, like enough, dude. I this, it, I, I've got to watch this cheater now for more than a day. Just get rid of these guys. Just get rid of them. I'm done. And whoever they play in the tournament, just take the points because they're not going to win by more than five. Pause. Yeah, Florida kind of gave this game away. They were up by eight with six minutes left, and uh, somehow let. LSU back into it. Um, yeah, look, I, I don't think Florida deserves to be into the in the tournament. If they won this game, they probably would get in. But, um, yeah, I think Florida sucks. 
I am not a big fan of this LSU team as we spoke, you know, the first 40 minutes of our show on. Um, so, yeah, they're, like you said, take the points. Whatever, however imagine, they're giving in, imagine, the first, in the first weekend, um, take them. Imagine a 12-10 opener on Thursday, Wisconsin, Florida. Just You might as well just take a nap. Yeah, yeah that's – I imagine would, that. it stinks because that first, that first that. game – that first game is the you know the only game on for like the first half right. of that game, right? They don't really right. start That's the next couple point. games until one That's o'clock. My point. Imagining yeah, so opening I, Thursday, yeah. and th- those are the seeds they may be. So, imagine an opening Thursday, Wisconsin, Florida, with an offense that doesn't even know what set means, and and a, and Wisconsin D, and then they hold the ball till two seconds left on the shot clock. Oh my God! Yeah. I can see her. Yeah, I, I can see it. I can see it's gonna be my. It's gonna be a nightmare for me tonight. I guarantee it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh my. Um, I'm just gonna quickly mention this because it's embarrassing. Somehow, oh, Iowa State. Who we're calling a roller coaster. Maybe they're not a roller coaster. Maybe they're. They, I think the tracks are are just shattered now. They somehow lose to three W West uh, West Virginia uh, Mountaineers my alumni, three guys who don't have a scholarship. How you could lose a 15 to three guys who don't have a scholarship? Sorry. And that's no offense to, to, to walk-ons. I'm sorry. It's, I don't mean it that way. It's embarrassing to have 10 scholarship players or eight scholarship players, you know, depending on who graduates, and you, you drop it to three guys that they couldn't get a scholarship. That, that's just embarrassing. On high, high, Iowa State's end, I'm thankful. I don't want to make fun of anybody. I'm thankful for the West Virginia guys working their ass off and getting this done. Uh, but it's just something to mention of note. I didn't want to uh, go through the entire card and not mention that embarrassing loss by Iowa State, who continues just, you know, break tracks. Um, Iowa State, who's on the outside looking in, gets spanked by a Northwestern team who I love by 18. And Pazda, I gave the Pazda whole breakdown one day of what Northwestern does at home. I'm telling you right now, if this team was in any other conference, they'd be in the tournament as like an eight, eight or nine seed, and they would be uh, at least on to, day, on to day two or round two, whatever you want to call it. Um, NC State team, who I said is overrated seven billion times, gets abs- gets beat by the worst team in the ACC, Georgia Tech, by two on their home court in senior night. Embarrassing. That team's so overrated. Oh, God. I, they can't just win a couple more for me. Clemson, who I love. I told you guys told everybody watch this squad man i know they only beat him by two these cats are coming man i'm telling you right now you got watch this team watch the team in acc tournament especially duke's or zion's gonna sit out against unc maybe he comes back to the acc tournament duke will be going for the juggler virginia and north carolina will have one seeds wrapped up they will not they will not be playing Maybe you got to do Clemson ACC title game. Pause on any of those three. Pretty meaningless, but. Yeah, I don't really have too much to add. Um, Iowa State, you could stick a fork in them. They're done. Um, Clemson, yeah, you've been pretty high on them. They get a nice road win, even though it's against the, you know, the, the bottom of the of the league. But still, I, I think they were only like three or four-point favorites. So, you know, kind of right where Vegas had it. And, uh, yeah, NC State sucks, so. They're not getting into the tournament. And your favorite to close out the, the yesterday, your favorite pack your favorite conference, the Pac twelve. Washington goes to OC, Oregon State wins by five. 
How do you feel? You're, I know they're your favorite team. You're your national title contender. Yeah, I was kind of I, I was kind of heartbroken last night. I thought they were going to lose, so I was really really pulling for them. Um, yeah, this this conference deserves they deserve one pick. That's that's what it comes down to. There's no reason for me to to waste more time talking about it. They're a one bid conference. I like to hear you get angry though. Yeah, I mean, look, I'm very passionate about this. I there are far more deserving teams than than uh, you know Arizona State or or even Washington. There there are far more deserving teams than either one of them. So whichever one of those two teams wins the the Pac-12 tournament, sorry, the other one's going to the NIT. And I'd rather have a Clemson in there. I'd rather have a um, you know Northwestern. I, 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 yeah, I'd rather have Northwestern in there. As a, I'd rather have Indiana in there without a question. Like, yeah. uh, Indiana is a far superior team to. I think I probably made this comparison on Monday night as well. Uh, Indiana is a far superior team to to anybody in the Pac-12. So, um, yeah, they they should not get more than than one bid in there. But I'm sure, I'm sure someone's gonna jump up and and win the Pac-12, and then the you know other than Washington, and and then the C, the committee's gonna put Washington in as well. Uh, oh, know, of just course, they feel like they have to, even though got to yeah, got to lace the conference it. pockets, man. Absolutely. So the Pac-12 will probably. Who knows? I'm gonna I'm gonna pull up the Pac-12 standings right now. Um, no, nah. I was gonna say maybe they'll even get a third team in, but there's no nah. there's no there way go. that a third yeah. team could possibly get it. They're gonna let Washington in, like you said, and then someone's that Washington is not gonna win the conference tournament, and they're gonna steal something from somebody that actually belongs there. That's basically what it's gonna come down to. Absolutely. Unfortunately. Unfortunately. Um. All right. T- just really two things to note tonight. Uh, you know, the uh, worst conference in all of college basketball, as I've mentioned for three weeks now, and Paz wants to disagree with me, Cincinnati goes to UCF, beats them by three. Uh, this is another conference. Cincinnati, as I've been saying for weeks, and Houston and UCF. UCF's probably going to get in now. All three of them will get absolutely waxed, waxed in the first game they play in the tournament. Can't wait. I hope now I need Cincinnati probably – yeah, now I need Cincinnati to probably win the tournament. Actually, no, I want Houston with the tournament to keep their seed high. Then hopefully Cincinnati plays them in the championship game, and then UCF will get in as like a like a ten or something, maybe even higher, and we could just rip them all all three of them apart. And then Wisconsin takes care of Iowa by twenty at home on Senior Night for Mister Hap. Uh, used him in FanDuel. He went for 21, 14, and three, two steals and two blocks. Uh, he must have got me a lot. I got to pull it up on the break. Uh, anything on those three pods? There's really, I mean, Houston has SMU right now. Who cares? You know, they, people try to argue, uh, you know, this team's better than a 12 seed. Come on, stop. Or a 12 rank. Uh, yeah, that's pretty much it tonight. Uh, Indiana's up 17 on Illinois. So there's another, you know, not, I mean, Illinois isn't good at all, but I mean, just another win that they, they absolutely need. They really can't drop one at all going forward in the regular season, at least. Uh, anything out of those couple pods? Yeah, I've watched the entire Cincinnati um, UCF game, and I uh, yeah, it was a it was a good game from a standpoint of both so elite basketball players, matched. right? What'd you say? Just just great elite basketball players, right? All over I the mean, court. Look, they probably none of. None of them probably took any uh, illegal benefits. So from that standpoint, this it might have been it was a That's clean fair. game. That's fair. I like your argument there. That's fair. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, look, I, I'm not very high on either one of these teams, though I do think 
they are both superior to anybody in the Pac-12 and uh, Houston, obviously, as well. Um, but, yeah, they're going to get three teams in now. There's almost no question about it. UCF is definitely in with their with this win against uh, Cincinnati. But I think, as you mentioned, I think the best uh, scenario would be for Houston to win the, the conference tournament and for Cincinnati to play them in the in the championship game. And then, uh, you know, you'll probably have Houston as their – as the three seed Cincinnati as a five seed. I think UCF might get like a five seed also. They're uh they're sort of like right in that in that weird five six area. So I don't know where I haven't seen like any um I haven't looked at any like bracketology about them where where that would be the biggest gift of all time. But yeah, I think they're gonna be in that like five or six range. I really do. What a gift. What a gift. And then uh, Indiana, right. yeah, yes. taking care yeah. of business tonight. Yeah, they, they needed that. They're they doing what they one. have to, you know, like you said, have to do. Yeah, they extend it to 19 now. So, yeah, they're in really good shape. And let's see, who do they have? Uh, they have Rockers on uh, Saturday, so at home. So they're in, uh, they're in good shape. I mean, they should certainly win this one. It looks like they have it in hand, should win at Rockers, and then they go into the conference tournament at what? Uh, they would be 17 and 14. Whew. I mean, that's a bad record to get in. But as you mentioned, uh, the quality of opponents much better than the likes of many others that are going to be getting in the tournament. Uh, all right. Quick yeah, break. as of right. Yep. Go ahead. Uh, yeah, I was just going to say, as of right now, I think the way that the Big Ten structures their actually, I don't know the way that they structure their tournament, but they're probably they're fourth last in the 11 out of 14 teams. So I think that they'll probably at this point be playing day one um, of the big 12th of the big 10 tournament. Um, you know, they're going to have to win at least a couple games. They're going to have to win that first game against whoever it, whoever it might be. Um, you know, whether it's like Nebraska, Northwestern, what, whatever. What, uh, what um, seed are they, dude? Right now? Right now, they're, right now they're the eleven. Yeah, they play the first day then, because uh, they have the even fourteen. So it's uh, two game. It's gonna be it'll be two four four, right? Yeah, two four four well, two. Well, actually, one. so this is gonna this is gonna change because they're currently playing Illinois and they're gonna beat them. So Illinois, them and Illinois will have the same record. So they'll probably move ahead on the head to head, and then okay. they'll also have the same record as Rutgers. So then let's just assume that they beat them on Saturday. Um, they'll go to eight wins in the Big Ten, so that'll move them ahead of both Rutgers and Illinois. Um, so yeah, so they might end up being the nine seed. That would, like I said, that would I don't be know absolutely exactly huge they... because it, that would be huge because if they go in as the if they go in as the eleven, they would have to play the six seed on Thursday. But if they go in as the if they go or even if they go in as the ten, they have a bye Wednesday. They get the seven, which is a nice place to be. And then they only have to go up. And then they have the one seed. But if they slide up, like you said, with the win over Rutgers, they win the head-to-head on Rutgers and the head-to-head on Illinois. They get that nine seed. They don't. They have to. Um, they only have to come back and play uh, the three. So that would be huge for them. Yeah. That's yeah, a big. Absolutely. That's a big. That's a big swing. You're going from two games and the one seed to one game and the three seed. So that's a big, um, that's a big swing. Yeah. That's a big absolutely. swing. 
Yeah, because then seven, yep, yep, because then seven gets the, uh, gets there, goes there, goes there. Yeah, that's a big, that's a huge swing for them. Hmm. Yeah, absolutely right. Who's, who's, uh, is the person, uh, so who's ahead of Rutgers and, and Illinois? Is there somebody there that could so, possibly lose on Saturday and bump them up? Another one? Yeah, so Ohio State, Ohio State's 8-11, and 11, um, so they're, they'll be a game behind Ohio State, so if Ohio State loses on Saturday, against Wisconsin, um, Ooh, then they, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know exactly how the, how the, uh, you know, tiebreakers work with them head versus head to head and, you know, who won what and whatever. But uh, yeah, I guess they could potentially ultimately. Oh, but I guess they, they would be in the same spot though, because it's eight, nine. So that wouldn't really do anything. Right. You're right. Is yeah. it, how about one above them? Yeah. Minnesota has nine wins, so they're already clear of them. Okay, yeah. So, so they really can't. They just need to win on Saturday, and then then they're in the, that same game no matter what. Okay. Yeah. All right. Cool. That'll be interesting. That that's going to be a good, a very good tournament to watch. And um, yeah, the ACC is going to be lackluster just because of the lack of needing to play. But Big Ten, that that's going to be something fun. There's Central time too, so a lot of those will be kind of the in betweeners of you know what we typically watch in the East Coast, but. All right, um, we're going to take a quick break here. We're going to get come back. Uh, two big injuries for the Yankees we're going to talk about a little bit. And uh, there's one sports radio talk show host in particular who's just been talking nonsense, and I've been calling in and trying to get in, and it's just always busy and just to prove him wrong and shut him up. So since I can't get in on the thing, I'm just going to have to shut him up on my radio. Maybe someone will tell him about it because, you know, he gets a lot of tweets. So I would love for it to uh, argue and just, you know, put some people under shame that refuse to listen to other. And then if they don't have their opinion, then they don't want to listen to anybody else's. So I uh, just love, love, love to find facts and make people, you know, they're undisputable. Facts are undisputable. Quick break. Uncut Sports Talk featuring Rhino and friends.
All right, you're back on Uncut Sports Talk with Rhino and Paz. 657-383-1692. Whatever you want to talk about, call in. Talk to us. Um, all right, two injuries for uh, the Yankees. One looks uh, semi-serious or concerning. The other one looked more looks more precautionary. I saw an update on the board today. It looks like Aaron Hicks is going to be back in uh, games by the weekend. So, um, look, there's something I kind of mentioned. Uh, I'll touch on Hicks first. It's a little... Uh, you know, less to talk about. Hicks, he's always hurt. He's always an issue with this guy. Uh, he goes, uh, I forget what the stat was. I don't have the notebook on me with that show's notes, but uh, he's been on the DL, I believe, a minimum of two times a, uh, a year in every single uh, year of his career, uh, as, high, as high as five, as low as two. Uh, uh, so, look, uh, I just, that was my concern with the contract. But in reality, if you look at the scheme of things, they probably get him on the cheap. But um, how cheap is it when, you know, um, you get someone on the cheap and they're playing 150 games and we get somebody on the cheap that's playing 130 games or whatever because they're on the DL so much. So uh, my only concern kind of with the Hicks thing is just that, again, we finally pay this guy, give him an extension. We're also paying the guy when he's way too old. If he's already getting hurt now, minimum two times a year, he's already hurt in spring training. Uh, look, it's just, that's just life. Unfortunately, research proven as you get older, things start to wear down and wear and tear. And, um, it's not like he's going to go from an injury prone player to the healthiest person in the world. Um, that's just not how it goes. And that's, that's for all of us, whether it's the elite player or the, uh, everyday Joe, that's just uh part of life. So, uh, but looks like his is not so serious. Pause anything on Hicks real quick. No, just to add to your point, though, about, uh, you know, the everyday Joe. Yeah, I, uh, I've i learned that since I, I turned the age of 30 that, uh, you know, getting up in the morning isn't as easy. And, uh, you know, you're, after working out, your legs hurt a little bit more every day. Your back hurts a little bit more every day. So, uh, yeah, I, I get it. As you get older, those injuries and those nagging things are, are not as easy to overcome. And, uh, yeah, I, I think it was – Look, we could talk about the contract as much as we're until we're blue in the face, but to to add seven years onto this guy is probably not the uh, you know the brightest move or the or the best from a business standpoint because, like you mentioned, he hasn't stayed healthy yet in the last few seasons. So I don't know what what makes them think that he'll now suddenly uh, turn into the you know, the guy that you can count on playing 150 games a year when he hasn't done it yet. You're all, you're all ripped up now though, dude, you've been in the gym, so you can't say you're getting that old. Yeah. I mean, I could still get jacked. It's just that it, it takes longer for me to <laughs> to recover and, you know, to not be feeling terrible the next day. Here's something I thought about that's crazy. And uh Cashman was on, uh, I don't know. Don't quote me. I want to say yesterday. It could have been t- today's Thursday. It could have been Tuesday. Don't quote me. It was either Wednesday, Tuesday or Wednesday. And uh, he was saying that at you know at the time there wasn't any uh, really update with Hicks yet. And he was saying that Gardner um, would move to center field and take over center field duties, and it would be Frazier out there in left field uh, with a potential split with some others, which I thought is kind of crazy. Like, listen. I love Gardner. Uh, like, look, I love Jeter too, but I was also 
I, I think anybody, unless you're completely have blinders on, and, and my cousin is as a Jeter fan as he is, and when we have mom, we'll have him on. He'll do a baseball preview for us, with us and everything at some point in time, or I shouldn't say baseball. I should say a Yankees preview with us, and um, you can hear knowledge. But he, being a, the biggest Jeter fan I know, would also tell you that the guy's final years were kind of lagging and because of his age. And that's where Gardner is. Look, I love Jeter in the locker room. Great leader. I'm sure Gardner's a great leader. He gets pumped up for everyone. Look, he gives 100% of his effort every game. But in re- the reality is he's on the back end of his career. He had a really rough year last year. I don't think that improves. I think he's just having a rough year with age. And, and that happens, man. That happens to everybody. I thought it was crazy that he becomes an everyday center fielder. The initial plan was that he was supposed to be coming off the bench for us, and then Frazier would start. But I thought about this pause, and again, this is before I got the Hicks thing. Uh, Wouldn't you, to me, right, you have a guy in Stanton who's played right field a million times, also came in the league and played left field, and he's going to be holding up your DH, which I I absolutely hate. It's another one of pet peeves of mine when you – Literally, like David Ortiz was an elite, an elite top Edgar Martinez. Like they're at the that that's a different level of DH. That's a tier one elite Hall of Fame DH. That's that's a different story. I'm not talking about those guys. I'm talking about guys that literally can't play a position and just occupy your DH. So now Gary Sanchez has to go to the bench when he needs needs spells. I hate that player. Um, nobody is elite enough to have a primary DH spot that I can think of that's in the league right now. Um, you know, you have guys like, like Mitch Moreland occupies the Red Sox DH and, you know, then, then Steve Pierce takes it for lefties. That's fine. That's a nice combination to have. Uh, you have a lot of these teams that cycle DHs and the Yankees had that for a little while. Um, they could cycle them, but wouldn't you rather like judge could came was start as a center fielder move to right for purposes, wouldn't, to me, why wouldn't you slide judge to center, keep the move and put Stanton in right, you keep the, um, whatchamacallit, then you open up the DH spot for um, for LeMahieu. LeMahieu's a way better player than, than Gardner and, and uh, than Frazier are. Or you put keep Gardner in uh, a center, move Stanton to left and put uh, Judge in right or or move Judge to left and Stanton right. And then you have LeMahieu at DH. LeMahieu's at 20 times hitter than, than Gardner and Frazier are right now. But I just thought it was crazy to me that they were saying, oh, no, we'll just split Gardner and Frazier and, and, and keep Stanton at DH. Like, when did, when did Stanton become a primary DH player? Yeah, uh, so – to take your first point about moving judge to center field, I, I would not personally do that. I do not. Well, I'm not talking full time. They were talking about Hicks being out like the first two weeks of the season. So I'm talking like a two, this is a two week, like two, 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 two week, one month thing max. But like my point is, wouldn't you rather have the combination of Stanton, judge, LeMayu, Frazier, Gardner, or would you rather have Gardner, Frazier, judge? And, and Stan, yeah, no, I just think LeMahieu's 20 times. LeMahieu's better than both Frazier and Gardner. Frazier's never healthy. Gardner's on the back end. And two of them together, he's already better than. Why would you not 
move a guy in that you got specifically to have a bat there. And now he's now he's in the DH role, and now you have your bop, your two big boppers are still in there, and now you're still, you know, the splitting time of Gardner and Frazier is still there. Yeah, I, you you make a very valid point. You know what I mean? Because um, if he's gonna play, yeah, if he's gonna play center field anyway, Gardner's gonna play. So you don't even need to move Judge if you don't want to. I've just kind of given that an option because Stan apparently, you know, never played in Miami in the NL. I guess you know those years that never happened. He just started with the Yankees apparently. I just figured. If he only can play right, apparently, then, you know, you can move to center, whatever. But, I mean, you could even throw Judge to left. I'm sure he would be just as fine. And now you still have good combo Gardner-Frazier, and you have another great bat. Instead of throwing two mediocre bats, I don't know. I just thought that was a, just another cashman that just makes no sense to me. But, sorry, I interrupted you twice. Go ahead. No, yeah, that's fine. Um, so, yeah, I think – didn't Stanton play left field a few times last season? I mean, why can't yeah, he just I, go out to left field? I have field? no clue. I don't know. That's what I don't get, man. Like they, it literally, they act like he like never played in the NL. Like he's just a pri- He's been a primary DH'er his whole life. Like it's not. It's like one year. It's one season. And yeah. he played a lot of right and left last year when Judge was out. He play, He filled in at right all the time. And right. I know they threw Brandon yeah, so Walker out there and, yeah. and whatnot. But like, I mean, I, I don't. I just don't get it, man. Yeah, I I think the for my money, I would say I would put standing left, judge and right, and then just platoon Gardner and and Frazier in center for you know however long. Um, I, I think that would be best from a defensive standpoint. I think that would be obviously best from a um, you know an offensive standpoint, where then you like you said you could have uh, Lemayhew's bat in the lineup. And, uh, yeah, I, I think that would be the, the best of all worlds. That would be my, my, uh, my take on it. Yeah. It's just crazy. You paid $24 million for this guy, and you still just are basically using him as a two-day-a-week player. I, I, I don't get it. I, I get it. He's going to back up Voight. The way Voight's hitting again, I mean, you're not going to put a guy that has a 1,000 OPS on the bench. He's already jacked three absolute bombs and a, a not, not – eighth inning bombs against, you know, me or you on the mound. I mean, he's hitting against starters. Yes, I understand a lot of them find two stuff now, work on new pitches, see if something's going to work that they worked on the offseason. I get it. But he's still hitting them off every day. MLB starters that are top of the top of the line guys, one, twos, and threes, you know, not fives. And he ain't going anywhere. So how many times is LeMahieu going to start there? Um, you every time you know I I'm sure Tulowinski's gonna get spelled twice a week. My guess is Tol Tol will probably play. You know April's rough, and so is even May, where they they do a you know you have off two days in a row, or there's a lot of rain out. So my guess would be when it when the going actually gets tough and a full schedule, you know Tulu probably plays five days a week. Torres slides over there for two. LeMahieu plays two at second. Uh, you know, uh, but are you really going to pull another Andahar who should have been rookie of the year uh, out? I mean, just craziness. And, um, you know, I, I just, uh, I don't, you know, I don't, I don't really understand that at all. So, yeah, I, I don't know. That's kind of my thoughts on that. Paz got bumped real quick, so he'll be right back on. Uh, in terms of the Severino thing, um, you know, I just I don't I don't really think that uh, it's like it's a big injury for this is for this standpoint. Um, I don't. 
I don't. We don't need Severino for the start of the season and the middle of the season right now. If you look up the Yankees' schedule, look, the AL is 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 rough this year. It really is. Um, Boston, the Astros, and the Yankees are on such a higher level than the other teams in the AL this year. It's it's not even close. It's going to be that way. Um, all of them are projected to win over 96 games in Vegas. Uh, the, I, I think the next NL team was like 86 and a half I saw. So you're talking that, that, that Vegas thinks that these three teams are at 11 game difference between um, these other ones, which is, which is a monster amount. And um, so, and if you look at the Yankee, like the Yankees don't go to Fenway till I want to say it was like the end of June or, or July or something, which is, is just insanity. Um, we have the Orioles 13 times before Memorial Day, uh, the Tigers three times, the White Sox, who wanted to buy everyone, didn't get anyone three times, the Royals seven times, who were in a complete rebuild, sold a bunch of dudes, uh, the Angels four times, who people are high on, but, I mean, they didn't really change anything from what they previously had, so how high can you get on them? Fine, you want to call that. A, a tough four gamer. Um, I get that. Uh, the Giants three times who in a rebuild. Maybe by that time we even have Bumgarner. Severino's out. Uh, Arizona two times who got rid of basically everybody. Uh, the Twins three times. Who sometimes they're pesky. They're tough. Uh, Seattle four times who got rid of both their best players and the Padres three times who I guess are on the up and up. So in the first. You know, 61 games the Yankees play, 45 of them are against teams that are projected to be under 500 this year. So I'm not really worried about Severino from from that early standpoint. With that being said, you have to be at this point slightly concerned that Luis Severino is going to be a starting pitcher that is going to constantly be in trouble with injuries. This lat injury also is the same one that Syndergaard had that ended up he was, you know, here and ready that he threw it, it re it had another re injury. And I, I almost, this is something I struggled with for a really long time, right before I got married. I don't know if it's the same injury. I'm guessing it is, but based by where they're saying it is, it's a lat shoulder, which is what I had. It ended up being something else, but Syndergaard ended up having to get surgery on it. I got some epidurals and I just kind of go along my day. I'm not doing anything active like these guys are, which just inflame it more. Um, but he's tailed off in the second half of every season Sometimes he say he's tipping pitches. That's always their excuse. Uh, to me, that's dead arm and shoulder fatigue. He's been awful in the playoffs. Uh, struggled to barely get out of the wild card game last year. Did everything he could. Didn't spot his fastball at all. Got lucky that he was able to blow by some. Um, didn't look good in Boston. That was game three, I believe. Did not look good in that one. Got rung out of there. Uh, we all remember the Twins wild card game. Got completely saved by Didi and and then others to go along. Uh, that was a uh, one of the greatest games I've ever at. But a long drawn out offense from both sides, uh, and and he got lit up there. Didn't get. I got one out. Uh, so look, he hasn't performed in the playoffs. Um, you need an ace, a shutdown guy in the playoffs, and and essentially, he's really been injured in all three seasons. I mean. Shoulder fatigue and dead arm, you I get the first season fine, most innings ever thrown, comes back next year, you think he's, you know, you, you're you're on it now. And he was awful the entire second half last year to the point where the last, I want to say from like all, the first week of August on, people were already talking about who's going to start game one because the Yankees had such a big lead. You knew they were going to definitely at least make the playoffs, um, that he was so poor even in the first week of August, they were already talking about, oh, should it be Tanaka? Should it be, you know, CC because he's a gamer? 
Um, and to me, that's just basically three straight years of injuries. So now you have to worry about how much the extension of money you gave him going forward. That's where my concern is. If he misses till May, not worried about it. Like I said, we have 45 games against under 500 teams. If you look at the schedule, we don't go to Boston till uh, I, 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 I keep wanting to say, I'm pretty sure it's the end of June. It might even be July. It's very, very late in the year. And, um, Look, the Orioles are, uh, they have like the lowest projection for wins in, in a long, long time uh, via Vegas. So uh, you get 13 against them. It, look, uh, we'll be able to mash and bash all, basically all these teams and, and work our way through. But for me, the concern is Severino going forward as a playoff pitcher, as a uh, sustainable starter. And, and I'm a little concerned about his, this, this, these injury plagues because you're dead arm. That's essentially an injury that's that's inflammation in the shoulder and you can't get it warmed up and get it going and um uh it's a problem now and now now you got arthritis there and they got tons of inflammation uh it's concerning uh pause on seb yeah you never want a pitcher with a to have a shoulder injury you'd mother jeez i can't talk You'd much rather it just be the elbow and then you say, all right, let's just get Tommy John surgery. We put away this season, come back next season, and, you know, you're basically fine. Uh, The shoulder is always one of those tricky areas that can kind of pop up at any given time. It can be re-aggravated. It never, like, fully heals during the season. You really need to kind of, like, shut it down for, like, three months for it to really come back. Um, so yeah, you really never you never want a a you, know, you never want anybody, let alone your your number one starter, to start the season with shoulder inflammation. Um, it's just it's just sort of like a a death sentence for for a season. So I would not be surprised for the Yankees to be overly cautious here and really not bring him back. I know you said May. I wouldn't be. I would, it wouldn't be out of the realm of possibility for them to not bring him back until, you know, until June at some point. So that way he has a, a solid, you know, 10 weeks off here or 12 weeks off here before, uh, you know, before really getting back into, you know, pitching. So that way he has a, instead of pitching, throwing 220 innings or whatever, he only throws 150 innings this year and maybe that helps him all out towards the end of the year in the playoffs or, you know, keeps them healthy the rest of the season, things like that. Um, so yeah, I, I wouldn't, there, none of the, none of these scenarios with him are off the table in my mind, whether it's, you know, back in two weeks and he's fully healthy again, or if he's out for the next three months and not back until, you know, mid June, I wouldn't be surprised at anything in between on either end of those standpoints. Yeah, man. Uh, I'm with you. I'm trying to think here. I don't know if we. Yeah, I don't know if which one we shouldn't do. All right. Um, all right. So I have like a lengthy thing here. I, I, we can always get into it on Monday. Uh, we'll go over the Kyler Murray thing real quick. So um, as we mentioned on Monday, it's basically a stone cold lock that this guy goes number one with Kingberry. And he should be thankful for it. And um, I'll explain why. So an article comes out from a very uh, prominent source, uh, Charlie Castler. And and he's been, uh, he's done GMing. He's done, 
everything. Uh, he's done a guru for positions. He's, he's a very prominent guy, and he's, he's projected and, and picked a lot of very successful uh, players or scouted them and, and gave rankings that are deserved. And uh, he, wrote an, he was in an interview and, and wrote an article um, the other day. So uh, we'll kind of go over it. And um, so Charlie Castle, he's, he's an NFL Network analyst now. He, like I said, former GM. Um, so the interviews are conducted as everyone knows, they, you know, they, each team that may be interested kind of interviews the player, uh, especially with quarterbacks, they do stuff like board work, reading formations, uh, reading defensive formations, where they're kind of going to go explaining why, you know, you've checked off in certain situations to other plays. Um, you know, you're kind of, they kind of give you a little bit of assessments, different ones on leadership and, and just roles as a person and personality, whatever. So uh, these are all conducted at the combine. So um, let's see. So he didn't take it apart. So there were enough, both the second big ways on our side, blah, blah, blah. Murray sat for interviews with a reported 10 NFL teams. And it was during at least all of those sessions that he came up very short, says Casserly. Casserly claimed the feedback he got from teams accounted to the worst reports he's ever heard out of 10 interviews on a ranked quarterback from an interview standpoint. They were the worst comments I ever got on a, a rated quarterback, and I've been doing this a long time, over 45 years, said the 70-year-old Casserly, who spent three decades in the NFL as a scout, a personal executive, a GM. He said, all 10 teams told me leadership, awful, study habits, beyond awful, board work, below not good. Not good at all in any of those areas, raising major concerns from all 10 teams about what this guy is going to do. He added that GMs told him, that Murray better hope the Arizona Cardinals coach and coach Cliff Kingsbury, whose team has a number one pick, pick him first overall. Because as these 10 GMs said, no thanks. And if he doesn't go number one at all, this will not be good. Um, <laughs> look, I, you know, I don't, I don't think that he's all – I didn't think he was all that great. He played in a bad conference. That's why my alumni is there. I watch all those games just like I am with kind of Duke and the ACC. I, you know, I'll give you a whole bunch of stuff about the ACC. I could give you a whole bunch of stuff about the Big 12. Uh, you know, Paz is with me here. Also, he's the Big 12 defensively. Um, he did a lot of stuff against bad defenses. But the difference here is like, you know, he – you know, so what, what's, what Castley says back is, well, what were your views last year on on Mayfield and um, God, I can't think of the other person's name who also had a little bit of an attitude, a little off the field stuff, whatever. He said that those same 10 GMs told them that they were off the charts in those three categories in interviews. And so now you have a guy who almost to me is like, is he, is he getting cocky because he's going to go number one overall? He knows it already. And something Chris brought up a couple of weeks ago that, you know, that's why he turns away the baseball. He knows he's going to get way more money as a first overall pick, a little bit of collusion. You know, I don't know if that's collusion. Maybe, you know, they, he kind of said, look, I'm going to try and get this job. If I get the job, you're coming. I don't know. 
at the end of the day, the GM has to be the final one to make the decision to make the pick. But uh, maybe it was coming as a combo. I get Kingsbury. We get Murray. You know, let's go. You hear a ton of stuff that Rosen's getting shopped and, and whatever. And, I mean, basically every report you hear, if you just open up Twitter, it says, he's you know, he's gone, he's gone, he's gone. Um, Castle, you also said that uh, um, you talked to some of his teammates, didn't do much with them, and a lot of stuff is in smokescreen. So, you know, I, I, I don't know. Uh, um, this coming from a pretty prominent figure, not just a, you know, John Heyman who just kind of reports whatever, doesn't know what he's talking about. Uh, I, this would be very concerning for me. But, look, if he goes number one overall, I mean, I guess it really doesn't matter, right? But, listen, I don't want someone they're already talking about who's at, you know, 5'10 and uh, doesn't meet a lot of the things that teams literally won't draft because they don't meet their intangible requirements. Uh, there's literally, you know, coaches out there that say, yeah, he's not six foot, we're not drafting him. And, you know, look, maybe they made a mistake or, look, they're saying, hey, if he's not six foot, he could beat me. Uh, I'll let him beat me. I'm not going to take the chance on him. Somebody else can. And if I get beat down the line by him, so be it. Um, but, oh, Mahomes is the other one. Mayfield and Mahomes, they said in the interviews, were both off the charts on the board work and everything. But anyway, um, look, so he's not meeting those intangibles. And now he's all, awful and not good or below good. And, uh, I mean, basically he scored an F on all, all the three of the other categories. So, uh, I mean, look, in some teams' minds, this guy's an F across the board, so he better hope he goes number one. Pause. Yeah, I I do like to take things that come out at the combine with a grain of salt because at these times, you know, GMs could be just saying things so that way, you know, maybe if they're sitting on the board at, at 10, they don't want the, you know, the nine teams ahead of them to, to take a guy that they really want. So, you know, there's certain things that, sort of gamesmanship, let's call it, that, that could be going on here. But, uh, I mean, you never like to hear anything like that about the guy that could potentially be the number one draft pick, um, you know, no matter who you are. I mean, I look, we're both on record in saying that we do not think he's going to be very successful in the NFL. I would not draft him if I had the number one overall pick, if I had a, a pick in the first round. If he – you know, if he was around in the in the third, fourth round, then it's like, all right, well, you know, there's no one else on our board that we really like. Let's take a flyer on him and maybe he turns into something. Yeah, that's fine. I, I would be all for that. But, you know, for a guy that's being projected now as the number one overall draft pick, it's never anything that you want to hear. And I, yeah, I, I, I don't, I'm, I'm not surprised. But at the same time, you know, I, I don't think he's going to be very successful anyway. So I can't really, like I said, I can't really say that I'm surprised and we're just going to have to see what happens going forward. Yeah. And I get what you're saying too about the NFL combine and like just GMs, but I mean, this is kind of a GM going to an analyst just saying, you know, Hey, what were your thoughts? You know, I, I, I would like to know because I've been in that room before too and, and did conduct these interviews. And, you know, it's not like these GMs are going to Twitter themselves and saying this is what they got come up with. I mean, they're basically going to a guy that has no relevance anymore in the NFL and telling him this. I, I don't think that to me, that seems like there's more truth than just, you know, 10 guys, like you said, going and blasting them and trying to get him as a steal instead, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I fully agree with you. I'm just saying that, I mean, you know, during the, during the combine, during the combine, you have to take things that you hear with. Yeah. Yeah. Do that. Yeah. I'm with there you. Could yeah. Be, there could be analyzing hand size like and happening. shit. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, no, I'm right. with you 100%. But to me, to me, it's a little different. This is like, you know, you asking my opinion about, you know, something with Duke or whatever. And I'm just, you know, me and you are just having a convo instead of like, you know, me going on Twitter and saying, uh, you know, breaking news about Duke or whatever, just so, you know, you know, Zion's not coming back. So I get a, a better spread, you know, you know, you get what I'm saying? That type of thing. Um, yeah, absolutely. Yep. Absolutely. That's I just think this one's a little different, but all right. So I'll, I'll carry over my uh, New York Yankees and, and ripping up a prominent radio host. We'll take that to Monday. We'll, you know, uh, we always have more time, but uh, that's going to wrap up our Thursday night, March 7th, 2019 show. Uh, we'll be back doing the college basketball show again, uh, either Friday night or Saturday morning. Hopefully we'll get this friggin' nonsense technical difficulties worked out. But anyway, thank you for listening. Thank you for tuning in. Our listeners are growing and growing, and we greatly appreciate it. If you ever want to call in and interact with us, don't be nervous, man. We don't bite. 657-383-1692 is always the number. Uh, you give us a follow. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram at Uncut Sports Talk. And all of these live radio shows are ripped in a podcast on iTunes podcast, TuneIn Radio, and Stitcher Radio, and also Blog Talk Radio at Uncut Sports Talk. Again, from your host, Rhino, and your co-host, Paz, we thank you for tuning in. We'll see you Friday or Saturday, Friday night or Saturday morning. Later. <laughs>